Welcome to the Drivable Podcast. I'm Elliot Barian and over there is Brad Williams. And today we're talking about driving with no arms with Kerry Lee Gockel. Kerry Lee has just upgraded her car and is going to talk us through her journey around all the different modifications and her driving journey and a little bit about her life. So Brad, are you ready to chat with Kerry Lee? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it and have a wonderful conversation. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, this one should be really interesting. Driving with no arms. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Drive Able Podcast, where each episode you get to listen to two of Australia's leading professionals in the area of driving and community mobility for people with disabilities. In each episode, they interview drivers, carers, and industry experts and share the insider's guide to driving with a disability. Here are your hosts, Brad and Ollie. Hi everybody, I'm really excited to get into today's interview, but before we get started, we just want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT, a great thanks to them. This show takes a lot of time and money to put together and we just want to say thank you to our sponsors for helping bring you this podcast today. And today we have Kerry Lee. Thanks very much for joining us. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Great to have you on and excited to have this conversation. The first question we ask everybody is to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your disability and and whether it's been there since birth or whether it came later on in life. Just give us a bit of an insight to who you are. Sure. My name is Kerry Lee Gockel. I'm based in Brisbane. Um, I was born with um, without both of my arms. Um, I think the correct medical term for what I've got is congenital amelia. Um, but for me, in layman's terms, that just means that I was born without arms and nobody has any idea why. So I was, um, I, my mum had a natural birth and a very normal pregnancy and it wasn't, um, ultrasounds weren't done as a matter of routine when when she was pregnant with me so it was actually a surprise for every single person in that room when I was delivered so um and yeah we we've never had we've never done any tests to find out why it actually doesn't change the outcome whatsoever um I think they whisked me away and did a couple of tests after I was born to see if there's anything else that was wrong but as far as we know this is it just me with no arms (laughs) right and um we're going to ask you a whole heap of questions about driving because this is a this is a driving podcast about getting out and about in the in the community. But can you unpack some of the other things that you that you do and how you how you get around and, and do bits and pieces in your life with no arms? I mean, we're as a as a human being, we're very arm centric with um, doing things with our hands and opposable thumbs, and and that's been researched to, uh, to death about what makes us human and, and things like that. How do, how how do you do most of the things that you need to do? Do you use aids or is it your feet or how do you compensate? I use my feet to do most things. So um, very early on, my parents let me just kind of find my own way. Mm-hmm. They tried to encourage me to maybe use a pen um, in my mouth and write with my mouth because we had seen other people in a similar situation do that. Um, But I was just not interested whatsoever and I reverted naturally to using my feet. So they just let me go. They just let me experiment and find ways to do things myself. So I've grown up basically treating my feet as my hands and I even refer to them as my hands, um, Mm -hmm. which makes some people laugh, but to me, they are my hands. Um, I have tried to modify my home um, as little as possible and I think if you came to our home you would see that we we, it's not obvious that there are actually two people living here with a disability my husband also has a disability Um, and quite quite early on um, we were given some advice about sort of you know changing to suit the world around you rather than expecting the world around you to change Mm -hmm. to suit you Mm -hmm. Um, so that doesn't have universal application obviously I'm one of those people that I don't need a lot of resources and aids and assistance to to get by. That being said, though, I rely quite heavily on um, on support from from fellow humans. So, my husband assists, assists me on a daily basis with getting dressed and that kind of thing. And I've really built a network of of friends and informal supports and some formal supports, mm-hmm. um, so that I can I can manage um, outside of the home as well. But but by and large, I've just adapted the way I do things so that I can do it with my feet. So. Um, for example, if I'm cooking in the kitchen, I hop up on the counter and grab a knife and I 
chop away up, up on the counter. So, yeah, my, my feet are pretty dexterous. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I mean, uh, the research would say that you've developed that side of your brain to be able to compensate where Ali and myself, for example, unless we were to use our feet like that from day dot, our part of our brain would be a lot smaller uh, in that area. So, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. We'd have, I'd have, as an OT, I've got many questions about that side of things, but I have to refocus because this is a driving okay. podcast. Um, and I really want to understand the journey that you've been on mm -hmm. in regards to in regards to driving, because the first thing that you think about with driving is that you've got to hold the steering wheel. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's explore how you came. What what was your driving journey? Just before we do that, can I just clarify um, legs and feet? Everything is, I guess, standard. Um, yes. Lack of a yes. term. There's no like, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. No, I'm. I'm. The the only other little thing that I've got is a bit of scoliosis of the spine, but I think that's probably more because of the fact that um, I've been left leg dominant um, in doing everything. So I think that naturally I've got a little bit of curvature of the spine, but mm -hmm. I don't think that that's of itself anything significant. It's okay. very minor. So to the naked eye, you wouldn't see it anyway. Okay. All right. So, right. back, yeah. so yeah, how did you get driving? Yeah, how did you get your driver's license? So um, when when I was getting to the age of being able to learn to drive, we started looking at how other people that we knew without arms drove, mm -hmm. and we had been in touch with a lady in Germany who was um, almost identical to me. She had no stumps or little little arms, um, unlike other thalidomide victims who we were in touch with. I'm actually not a thalidomide baby, um, but Obviously, um, a lot of other thalidomide uh, victims had either no arms or short arms, so we we were in touch with a couple of people there. And but my, but those ladies or, or, or gents with, with little arms could actually drive on the wheels still, so it wasn't it wasn't comparable for me. But there was a lady in Germany who who drove with her feet, and she had these foot steering modifications down on the footwell of her car. Now at that time, there was no NDIS and no funding available for those sorts of modifications, and when my parents and I looked into the cost of these modifications. It was just completely out of reach for us. There was no way that we could afford to pay for the modifications. Um, at that time, they could only be fitted in a VW Passat or Jetta. And again, we weren't in a financial position to buy a brand new <laughs> car mm. and have those modifications and then have them shipped out to Australia. So we looked further afield and we're put in touch with Brett Nielsen, who's, um, who was the first thalidomide baby here in Australia. Now, Brett lives down in Mullumbimby. We got in touch with him and he said, yeah, I'll show you how to drive, no worries. He's like, I don't have any modifications, it's easy. So we'd gone from one extreme to the other and um, we met Brett um, on his acreage property. Um, I was uh, about 16, I think, and we we're in my parents' Camry and he said, right, let's go, I'll show you how to drive. And I thought, okay. So he, <laughs> he asked my parents if he could take the wheel and we drove into his paddock and my parents, from where they were standing, said the car just parked in the middle of the paddock with Brett behind the wheel um, and we just we stopped there for 20 minutes and they had no idea what was going on what was going on inside that car was sheer torture because Brett said to me we can't go anywhere until you look until you put a seatbelt on I said well I've never had to put a seatbelt on because somebody always buckles me in so mm -hmm. how about you just buckle me in and we go and he said no he said if you go if you can't put a seatbelt on he said we don't drive so I was like all right so the 20 minutes that this car was stationary was Brett yelling at me, encouraging me to launch my right leg, which until that time had done nothing. My right leg's always been my stabilizing leg and my left leg has been my doing leg. But I had to, I had to drive with my right leg and I had to put the seatbelt on with my right leg. So I was asking those muscles to do something that they had never, ever, ever done before. But mm -hmm. he, would not let, he would not let me start this car until I had a seatbelt on. So by the time we had finally heard it click. I was drenched in sweat. I was on the verge of tears and actually wanted to fly kick Brett in the face. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> so once my seatbelt was on, um, he showed me it was it was literally right foot up on the wheel and my left foot down on the pedals. Okay. And so again, trying to get my right leg to move in a way that I'd never ever asked it to move was just, it was something else. My hip, I thought I, I thought I'd torn muscles at the end of that day. Um, but yeah, so he, he showed me the foundations of how he drove. And from then on, I did a bit of practicing um, with my dad in, in vacant car lots. 
And then I obviously had to go and get my learner's permit. Um, mm -hmm. Now, before Queensland Transport back then would, would give me a learner's permit, they had to be satisfied that it was safe for me to drive. Um, but at that time, when I went to see an OT, she said, well, I can't tell you if it's safe until I see you drive. I'm like, well, I'm not allowed to drive until I've got the learner. So mm -hmm. we were caught in this catch-22. So eventually we agreed that it was a little... Uh, we did a bit of a driving simulation with the OT so she could test my grip strength on the wheel and assess the position and she was comfortable to issue a report um, to Queensland Transport so I got my learners that way mm -hmm. and that was the the beginning of my driving journey so so there's a couple of things that I want to just unpack in in that area yeah you drive with your right leg on the steering wheel yes. and your left leg on standard pedals Yes, so they were initially was with standard pedals, but that was the one modification that I was required to get when I learned to drive. Um, uh, because because I was using my left foot on the pedals and stretching across to the right hand side accelerator, my heel was actually suspended off the floor. Yep. And they said, no, 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 we for safety, we need your heel to be on the floor. Yep. And so we had a left foot accelerator fitted. Okay. Um, so I had two accelerators and I could fold one up and down, or I could fold the right one away mm -hmm. when I was driving. Yep. Um, and then if somebody else jumped into my car, then they folded the left one away and put the right one back down. Can I ask why you, why is it right leg for steering, mm. left leg for um, uh, uh, accelerators? I asked the same question because I was very belligerent about the fact that he was making me use my right leg. But it's because when you guys are driving, you can chop and change hands for resting. But if I was using my left leg, it would be suspended in the air. The entire time, whereas mm -hmm. on the right hand side, I could rest against the door. The door, I could yeah, yeah okay. And we we talk about this with spinner knobs as well for people that yes. use one arm. Uh, that the left spinner knob, you have to push up against the camber of the road all the time, where yeah. maybe the weight of your uh, right leg was helping you adjust against the camber of the road. Yeah, you made another really good point there. Is that your grip strength had to be mm. assessed? Yes. How do you grip the steering wheel? Is it with the big toe wraps around or how, how is it that you grip the steering wheel? Yeah, I think my, my my big toe was sort of under the steering wheel and the others were on top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just almost like... like a, just, a, yeah. I'm, I'm using my hands here for people yeah. that are watching this, but is it a matter of just pushing into the steering wheel to give you friction grip? Yes, yeah. So I, I kind of, I'll lift my leg. I think I used to sort of like grab it almost like... <laughs> Oh, I can't do that yeah. with my toes. No, see, my, <laughs> my toes band's quite wide, so they're quite flexible. So I could actually grip the wheel at the top. Yeah. And I how do you go in regards to reach? I mean, getting your getting your knee up towards your chest, I'm assuming. Yeah. Do you have to lay your seat back or did I you, did. Yeah. I had to I had to recline the backrest a little bit and I had to push my seat back as far as it went. I've actually got quite long legs for my height, which is mm -hmm. in some ways been an advantage, but in some ways it's been a disadvantage because there's just so much more leg to to jam into a space sometimes so and do you find um, that you drive with a, a side-on action so you're sitting with with your yeah. twisted spine that's a, that's exactly what what was happening um as i was getting older so when i was you know 19 20 when i first learned to drive it didn't matter my body was supple enough and i was you know young enough to for it not to really bother me although that original ot who did that assessment she did foreshadow she said i'm a bit concerned that you're going to end up with back problems yeah. further down the track and me being a stubborn 18 year old, I was like, back problems, I'll worry about that when I have to worry about it. And that's exactly what, what happened. I got to- Shout out to your OT, well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hats, hats off to you Val, because she, yeah, she, she picked it then um, yeah. because obviously it was not an ideal driving position at all. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's what's really prompted, or what prompted me a couple of years ago to look at a different way to drive because my back was sore, my hip was getting sore, I was struggling with knee pain. And I think also just realize, you know, once you have a bit of experience driving, I realized that even a, a medium level impact, which probably, but for the fact my foot was on the wheel, I wouldn't be that badly hurt. I thought if I have just a little bit too much force, the damage it's going to do to my hip joint and my knee joint. Which is back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if an airbag goes off. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's just going to fling your leg out towards your head. Yeah. So so there were just a couple of little things that I thought, I'm sure I'm a safe driver and I wasn't, the way that I drove was safe, but there were just these little other things that if they occurred, I would be at more risk, I, I believe, if I'd 
driving in that particular position and that just started to make me a little bit anxious because you know when you're 20 you don't care about you know yeah. what might happen but when you get a bit older and I, I really didn't want to do any significant damage to my hip or my knee because that yeah. needed you know, for the rest of your life I do I do I need to protect them at all costs so if you had just before we go to the next I guess solution if, um, if you had your Bit seat all the way back. Um, how did you reach the pedal? Did you have to put any extensions or anything? No, my legs were long enough to reach. So, uh, so but then yeah, because it's interesting. I'm just trying to visualize one leg on the um, wheel. Doesn't yeah. your hip kind of have to be a lot further back? Then you're kind of skewed in a way. Um, a little bit. It, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. I was. I was still fairly centered, but not. Um, I, so it, it didn't. It didn't throw my left leg back so far that I struggled to reach the pedals. In fact, I, I still didn't have quite enough room. My, my, my left foot was still bent a little bit to, to get to my pedals. I've just, yeah. I've just <laughs> how was how your, um, when you first started, the mobility of your hip? Um, because you were saying it was, uh, I guess, sounds like it was fairly stiff. And did you have to do any kind of physio or mobility work? Um, and have you done that over the years? Um, I did. I, I don't, I've always been fairly active so I've done a lot of swimming um I did I was at the time I um at that time I think I was seeing a Pilates instructor and doing regular physio but it wasn't a concerted effort I didn't sort of go home and do exercises every night I think it was just it was forced mobility because I was so desperate to learn to drive mm-hmm. that I kind of, it was just through practice and getting behind the wheel and putting my body into that position that it kind of just adapted naturally um it, I don't remember there being a concerted effort exercise program in place to make it happen okay so before we move on and i desperately want to move on how were you um putting indicators on because we think about the steering wheel fantastic we've got a leg up on the steering wheel to make it go around and around and around but then in the car there is all of these secondary controls indicators windscreen wiper i mean horn i'm imagining you you kick the middle but um the the rest of the controls even starting the car windows up and down all of those type of things can we just have a little quick chat about all of those secondary functions yep sure so the indicator i actually had a little lever that was attached to it so i little extension yeah yeah an extension so i i could flick the indi i could turn the indicator on left with my little pinky toe so i could flick it up but then if i needed to was it the other way around no, if I could, I could push it down yeah. with my pinky toe while it was still on the wheel, but then if I had to indicate the other way, I could hit it with my knee. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it was actually the extension came under the steering wheel and the, my left foot that was on the pedals, I could, could whack it with my knee. Okay. So that's how I did that. Um, there was a little lever on my handbrake as well, just to make the handbrake easier to release um, because obviously an older car, you had to pull the handbrake up and release the, the button at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this was Did you do that with right leg or left leg? Left leg. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I actually used my heel for that. I used to get up, get un, use my heel bone to get under the um, under the handbrake and lift it, and then depress the button at the same time. But that was that was hammering my heel. Yeah. So we found a little lever that sort of fitted over it, so you could lift it and knock the the button in at the same time. Wow. Um, and yeah, what <clears throat> wipers and lights. That was kind of a do on the fly if I had to. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. If it was raining, I generally try and put my my wipers on before I before I was in motion or you know pull over and put them on. But sometimes it was a quick sort of off the wheel, off the pedals, pull them on and keep going. So there was, there was no push button start when you first started no, in no. cars. So did you start the car from outside the car before you got in, or did you do it around the steering wheel and and hook your toes no. over the keys? Yeah, just. Um, jumped in, sat in, and then um, could slide the key in with my right foot and turn the key. Awesome. I didn't even have, I had central locking. I think that was about the fanciest thing my car did back in 2000. So it was a great little car, though. I'm not going to diss the Daihatsu Sturion. It was one of the best vehicles ever. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So, so as you know, without being rude about a lady's age, you're getting older and yes. hips are starting to. Are they starting to get a bit painful or what, what's prompted you to make a few changes or was it the introduction of NDIS or, or yeah, I was going to say, is NDIS also means that you have a lot more options and ideas and so on. So you can kind of expand your mind a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about the second part. 
Yeah, I, th I think the the shift for me actually came pre-NDIS. Um, I, I recognised that I was struggling to drive long distances. So in the early days, I could drive up to Noosa on my own, no problem. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, an hour is kind of my limit. My leg would start to feel a little bit numb, which is obviously unsafe. You know, you, mm -hmm. you can't have your foot going numb. And my back was just sore. And it, it was, I was taking longer to for that pain to subside. You know, I felt like, you know, a couple of days later, my back was still a bit twingy. And, um, and that's when I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to look at other options. And initially, I, I was a, a bit sad about that because I really, I really liked the fact that I didn't have major modifications in my car that I could, if in an extreme emergency, I could probably jump into somebody else's car and drive relatively safely. Yes, the pedals are around the wrong way, but with a bit of, you know, forward thinking, I, you know, in an extreme emergency, I could probably do it. But I like the fact that I, I didn't have all these fancy modifications and that my car was was largely untouched but I also went through the thought process of well if you continue to drive like this you may not be driving for very much longer mm. you're, you can't put your body under that kind of strain forever um, and I was more active as I you know I'm more active now that I'm older so it wasn't a case of being inactive or I, I just think it was age and and you know my body was less supple and I think also just those little risk factors that I was talking about earlier probably bothered me a little bit more than what they than what they had previously. So I started to I started to look at what options were out there, and um, I initially came across a, a modification by a company down in Sydney, which is almost like a a foot plate in the footwell of the car that mimicked a steering wheel. Um, but again, it was pre NDIS, and 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 the cost of it was just outside of of, of my budget, um, given that I would have to buy a new car because they weren't going to fit a modification in a, in a you know, almost 20-year-old Daihatsu Sirion. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of, I, I looked into it and I got all excited and then I realised how much it was actually going to cost and I sort of thought, oh, well, that's out of my reach, never mind. And then they announced the NDIS and, um, you know, after discussions with other, others, I realised that car modifications were something that the NDIS would cover. So I went back to, to looking at these mods. Um, and it was actually quite by chance, I was flicking through a brochure um, that Spinal Life sent out from, you know, sends out from time to time. And um, there was a, um, a company that did a whole heap of steering modifications. I thought, oh, I wonder if they do anything for foot steering because foot steering isn't that common. I think I, yeah. you know, it was the, the company down in Sydney and maybe one other overseas that I'd, I'd seen, but other than that, I couldn't find anything else just by doing Google searches. Yeah, so I jumped onto the website and yeah, they, they had a foot steering um, modification available. So it was, that's when I really started to look at it in earnest um, and, and work out whether this is something that, that would suit me. I reckon I can uh, just pinpoint a couple of companies here. I reckon the first company may have been PME, Problem Management Engineering, with their super steering wheel uh, yeah. when you were first exploring. Now, yes. the second company that you're mentioning, which which company is that you went so, exploring with? Uh, that, that's um, Total Ability down Total in New Ability. South Wales. Yeah. I mean, they import the FADIL yeah. modifications, or I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, and, FADIL, and, yeah. 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 yeah, and so and we were actually originally looking at their specific foot steering modification, which um, it was all again almost like a, a foot plate, but it, it was a forward and backward movement to turn left and right as opposed to a circular movement. Mm -hmm. So I trialed that, um, and that that worked pretty well. Um, but a whole heap of stuff happened in between, so I can go into a little bit about that, but. By the time the um, funding approval from NDIS came through for, for those modifications, COVID had hit. Nice. So we knew that we were in for a long wait to get um, stuff shipped out from overseas. But also the modifier that was supposed to do it up here in Brisbane, who Total Ability were connected with, they had actually closed down. Their, their, business, um, their business had closed. So we'd, we no mm. longer had a, <laughs> um, a modifier in Brisbane who could... Who could install that particular system? So we, there's a lot of backwards and forwardsing about what we're going to do, and it, it, I knew that I would have to ship my car down to Sydney um, and and get the, the modifications done in Sydney. But we had a bit of a brainwave. Um, Fadil also do 
um, the, the mini wheel, which is almost like a joystick style steering. Mm -hmm. And usually it's used for people who've got limited mobility in their arms because it's a much, a much easier mechanism to use for steering and it kind of sits where your handbrake is. But we realized that there was actually nothing stopping us putting that on the floor. Mm -hmm. It's all connected to the steering column. So um, my current OT brought a, a sample of that over. Um, she's like, we can't plug it into your car, obviously, but let's just see if in theory this is going to work. And we popped it on the footwell of the car and it, that, that was it. So yep. we actually ended up changing the requirements um, kind of three quarters of the way through the process because this was a far better solution than the original steering option. I'll just unpack some of the modifications so people listening into this can think through what might suit them. The sure. first one that you were thinking about was basically a steering wheel kind of down where the clutch would be. And yep. it had a little plate that you could rest the ball of your foot on and then you'd rest your heel down to go on a straight line and then you'd lift your heel up and move the wheel around with the ball of your foot to make the steering wheel basically move in front of you. And it's that was connected by chain, I believe, to the actual steering column, that piece mm -hmm. of equipment. The second piece of equipment that you originally started applying for, if you think about your windscreen wipers, it pivots from the bottom and you pivot your foot from side to side and that connects to the steering wheel and makes the steering wheel spin in front of you the same type of way. And that's connected uh, down where the clutch would be as well. Mm -hmm. But the third one is all electronic. So this is a tiny little steering wheel um, about the size of a a saucer maybe even smaller mm -hmm. and it's got a little tiny spinner knob on it is that the what is that the yeah. what you're using Kerry Lee yeah. Yeah. yeah and and that allows you to hook your toes over it mm -hmm. and be able to make the little wheel spin around and mm -hmm. it spins the same ratio as what your steering wheel does so if you bring the little spinner knob down to the bottom the steering wheel is going to spin upside down so it's got the same ratio so small movement um down in the where the clutch would be roughly yeah yeah did you find that that's kind of a bit easier on a maybe cognitive sort of level because you're already used to spinning things around for a steering wheel i guess rather than just sort of like a left and right motion absolutely so yeah the the um the this like option number two was harder for my brain to sort of compute because you were yeah, it was a forward and backwards motion as opposed to a round motion so yes it was much easier to learn to to use the the, the mini wheel. Um, the only thing is, though, I had to switch feet. So remember, yeah. I, was, I used to be steering with my right leg. Mm. Now I had to steer with my left foot but, and then operate the pedals with my right foot, but there was no left foot accelerator. So I had to go back. I had to rewire my brain to move right to accelerate and left to brake. How did that go? Yeah, I wanted to ask, how long did that take? We get that fear from a lot of clients changing from left-sided to right-sided hand controls yeah. is another example, or changing from one style of modification to a different style of modification. Is it something to be fearful of? Absolutely not. You, uh, the brain is an incredible piece of equipment, and it's amazing how, how, how easily it, it adapts to, to learning something new. Um, so... The pedals were actually the easier part. I was I was really worried that I was going to end up accelerating when I needed to brake, but the pedals came fairly quickly, like within a, a lesson or two. I don't even think I had a near miss with the pedals. When the you're heading towards the back of a car, your, your brain works pretty quickly yeah. to figure it out, yeah. What, right. What's interesting, I had this um, discussion in um, sort of, I guess, a bit of a debate with the New South Wales government recently around um, people that use hand controls and... Um, when you talk, look at the regulations around um, vehicles, it talks about um, the, the terminology it uses is operating a vehicle and mm -hmm. operating a vehicle is basically understanding how it works, understanding that I need to steer this way and I need to accelerate that way and so on. And, and the debate I was actually having with them, because they were saying, you know, if someone changes their device, they need to go through an entire process of learning and lessons and everything again. And I was like, well, if I change my car from a Subaru to a Toyota, it's got a different way of steering, maybe different style of thing. Yeah. How come I don't have to go and relearn and, and, and re get a license. It's, it's about how you operate a vehicle. And, and it, it's, it's great that you've identified that because I want to um, encourage people to get out there and trust themselves because 
you know that, hey, okay, my brain knows I've got to accelerate and I've got to brake and I've got to steer. And it's just got to, that part is, is hardwired. It's just got to give the directions to the parts of your body. And it doesn't take that long to readjust as long as it knows, hey, I need to brake and accelerate. You know, if anyone's jumped into a European car versus a Japanese car where the indicators are on different side of the steering column, yep. it doesn't take long couple of sweeps of your windscreen to clear it oh that's not to be my indicator it doesn't actually take that long to to change the brain over yeah. no. um a couple more things to explore in regards to this modification that's how you make oh. the steering wheel spin and yep. we've changed your brain over to do right leg for the pedals saved your hips a fair bit but oh, now yeah. your indicators and windscreen wipers are back up on the steering wheel what's yep. happening there how are you putting your indicators on so my indicator bump switch is actually in my headrest. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of cool. So you just, I just have to knock, knock my head either way. I was a little bit resistant to that, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was like, mm, I don't want my car to, I don't want it to be obvious that I've got all these bells and whistles and, you know, have it look completely different. Oh, it's also because I bought a brand new car, so I kind of like the shiny new car and I didn't want it to, mm -hmm. <laughs> to look, you know. But, yeah, the, the bump switches are almost... You can't even see them. I can feel them there, obviously, but yeah, they're just in my headrest. So I just, you know, knock my head from side to side. They don't turn, my indicators don't turn off automatically anymore though. So that's one mm -hmm. thing that I had to get used to was turning them off, you know, once I'd made my turn. Yeah. Um, but then modern technology is taking care of the rest. So most new vehicles now you've got automatic lights, automatic wipers, electric park brake, push button start, and oh, Keyless entry. I can't tell you how much I love keyless entry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your older car, um, yeah, things have moved on. You've kept it for 20 years, you were saying. That's yes. that's, uh, that's that's what happens with people with disabilities before NDIS. Their car, yeah. The car had to last as long as it was mechanically yeah. able to do that yeah. because, of, because of how much these things cost. So, um, I'm going to do a shout out to the NDIS, but you might want to have your own comments about the NDIS and, and what that's had. But from your story, uh, Kerry Lee, is that it's actually opened up options that are better for your for your health and, and long-term function. So it, do you want to have a shout out to the NDIS or, or talk about the NDIS and what difference it's made to your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm so grateful that we, we've got the NDIS. Um, you know, not only did I was I able to explore and you know get new car modifications, which which has made driving so much easier and so much safer for me, I believe. But it's also just provided you know my husband and I with um, an opportunity to to really make the most of our time. And if I could just divert away from driving a little bit, mm -hmm. um, as I said before, my husband's also got a disability, so he's got spina bifida. So. Whereas Joe can say that between the two of us, we've got one really good pair of legs and one really good pair of arms. <laughs> so, um, Paul, Paul can walk, um, but his mobility is affected a little bit. Um, and, and prior to the NDIS, we, we did everything ourselves. We, you know, we, we did have a cleaner, I'll, I'll say that, but we, you know, we did all of our, you know, all the washing ourselves, all the ironing ourselves, you know, day-to-day -day cooking ourselves, all of that. And yes, we, we managed, but we were exhausted by the time we got to the weekend. We had you know, Paul was absolutely stuffed because he he took the lion's share of that physical load. Um, so the NDIS has given us this really great opportunity to actually accept a bit of help during the week. And it, it's, it's made our lives infinitely better. You know, we've got a weekend where we can do fun stuff. It's not catching up on housework and, and resting because we're so exhausted from the week of That's trying right. to keep up with all the household chores. Yeah. So it really has opened up so many options for us. And these lovely support workers that have come into our home are really now part of our tribe. They're not, it's not just an arm's length transactional relationship. It's a, a really lovely connection that we've mm. built with people who are making our lives better. So I'm, I'm always very, very grateful for the NDIS. And I think that they're doing a magnificent job of providing support to people like us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really nice to hear. And um, one, yeah. one little shout out I want to actually give uh, to you, Kerry Lee, is um one thing i remember you said at the beginning or towards the beginning was 
you said to your OT at the very beginning when you started driving, I'll worry about my hips when I need to worry about them. And I'll shout out that you actually did. When you need to worry about it, you did something about it because a lot of people don't. Um, And that's really awesome because it just means that you can continue to experience your life. And as you said, experience weekends and have fun. So that's also a great um, thing to recognize that when you do need, because that's something that actually frustrates me as a bit of an equipment supplier. We'll get Mm. people come up to me and and even probably um, Brad is an OT. You know, I, I always remember one lady at an expo, it was a long time ago when I first started, um, it was really confronting because it kind of showed me a little bit of an insight to this industry. And she was with her husband and she was falling apart. She was like on a walking frame and she was looking at this swivel seat and she was like, oh, maybe one day I'll be up to one of those. And I'm like, <laughs> I think you're way past that. I think if you got into that, you know, you actually probably have a better life, you know, but it was yeah. really interesting how people, um, you know, they really push back a lot, you know, and it's great having, you know, NDIS, acceptability, speaking to people like yourself that, hey, it's okay and, and look after yourself and you can have a better life and a fuller life. So it's great to hear that. It's actually, it was interesting. Um, I was thinking about that um the other day about why why it is we were so resistant to initially having somebody come into our home and provider systems or why I was so resistant to, to you know fairly significant modifications. And I think early on I thought that my, my ultimate goal had to be complete independence. I thought that for somebody in my shoes, the ultimate sort of achievement was being totally independent. And that's nonsense. Yeah. Like for me that's utter nonsense because total independence means a hell of a lot of hard work. It's exhausting. I'm putting my body under a whole lot of pressure. Whereas if I just recognize that total independence is not kind of like the gold star standard of living with a disability and just asking for a bit of help from time to time and accepting people into your world who are willing to provide that assistance makes it way better, way, way better. Yeah. Philosophically, that's kind of a big thing that I always go on about, even, you know, able-bodied or not. I always tell someone, if you want to build a house and a shelter you need yeah. another person to hold up the other piece of wood you know yeah. so, so yeah. It, you can't do anything by yourself whether you like mm-hmm. it or not independence yeah. is not a great goal um it's it's dependence and co like like working in a community is the goal you know yeah. so it's collaboration yeah. even for general people we are all taking shortcuts we're all using technology every single day to make our life easier yeah. like i i've never opened a can with a with a old metal can opener you know nowadays they've got ring pull everything is making it easier to function there's just different devices out there to help people with disabilities because it's a different way of of thinking about doing a functional task Um, i mean these things these phones nowadays uh, um you know we've got a computer in our pocket that's another example of how technology is out there for everybody and independence is just viewed in a different way Yep. And, 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 you know, in saying that, though, I, I do respect that there's some people who do, who do want to achieve that, that full independence. And I, you know, I do respect that. But for me, it was just a, it was a silly notion to, you know, to hang on to that I couldn't ask for help. And it was a not a, not a failing. I think that's a, a strong word, but just that I was, you know, you know, I wasn't You're doing it yeah, you know, yeah limiting yourself you know that's, that, that's so. what i find if, if people yeah. i've seen it in, even you know in all sorts of parts when you try and limit um the access to help then you're just limiting what you can achieve as a person yeah. you know? so um and there's, that's that's what we're all about we're social beings that work together you know? so mm-hmm. um so yeah time has flown we've got yeah, to we've got to round it up. up it's got it's every podcast we try to keep it to 20 minutes there's no way that we actually ever achieve that um but before we wind up um we want to do um another little shout out for our sponsors uh to make this show possible mobility engineering and williams ot um yeah it it brings you uh kerry lee today and and we thank them for it Hey, Kiralee, we always ask one more question with everybody uh, before we wind up. It's your final question for today. What is something that you've done in your car or utilised your car for, rather than just getting from A to B, from home to work and that kind of thing? What's something that you use your car for that has meaning for you? Well, I know that this question was coming, so I gave it a bit of thought and I... When I um, was a fair bit younger and while I was actually studying at uni, my grandmother, who never, ever learned to drive, um, realised that she all of a sudden had somebody who could take her to the shops on a, on a daily basis. And initially, well, after a while, it got a bit tiresome having, you know, granny phone me up every day to go and get a litre of milk. But I realised now that 
me being able to drive and being at home for that period of time actually gave me an opportunity to spend some really, really valuable time with my grand, who I was extremely close to, because all of a sudden, the, not that the tables were turned, but my grand had, had supported me a lot as a child and she, you know, looked after us when my parents were at work and she was always a very, 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 you know, available, caring granny. And it was just nice to be able to um, do something for her, but it also gave me the benefit of some really great quality time with my grand before she passed away some years later. So I'm very, very grateful that A, I had my license at the time and B, that I could take granny around and we used to go for coffee and do shopping and we come home and cook together. And I'm yeah, very, very thankful that my car gave me that time with her. That's uh, absolutely wonderful. I love asking that question. We get all kinds of different answers and uh, that one's got a, I love that answer. Um, a huge thank you to you, Kerry Lee. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, that was wonderful. A shout out to uh, Total Ability and Fardiel for helping you with your modifications now. Also a shout out to PME for that, uh, introducing so many mods uh, into Australia in those early days. Shout out yeah. to your OT and your modifiers in Brisbane as well, who have helped you along the way. If our listeners wanted to, have you got a YouTube channel or have you got an Instagram or anything else like that where you've got maybe some videos of how you do bits and pieces so they can see it at all? Is there any way that they could get in contact with you? Sure. I'm not cool enough for YouTube yet, but I do have an Instagram account at The Wingless Warrior. So please feel free to follow me and more than happy for you to direct message me as well if you've got any questions. The Wingless Warrior. Fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, um, what we're going to do is mention that in the show notes. So if you scroll down, if you're listening to this, scroll down to the show notes. We'll put that uh, Wingless Warrior uh, down there. And also, um, if you want to have any other questions, make sure you get in contact with us. We'll put you in uh, contact with Kerry Lee and uh, that way we can uh, make this a better world and get more people out and about on the road safely and appropriately. Um, all yes. right, so what Thank happens now is in a, in a little bit of time, uh, just after we say goodbye, we're gonna come back, uh, Ali and I, and do our top three takeaways from today's interview like we do every uh, podcast. But before we do that, we wanna say a massive thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was a fantastic interview and I can't wait to unpack it a little bit more. So stick around, everybody. Thanks, Carolee. Thank you. All right, welcome back. In this section, we bring you our expert analysis and top three takeaways from the interview. This is where we provide our more than 30 years of joint experience in the industry, helping people with disabilities to drive and get out in the community in a safe and meaningful way. So Brad... What is that first lesson that we were just chatting about? Well, that first lesson that we want to bring to the table is we've spoken about it before, pre and post introduction of the NDIS. The, different, the difference in lifestyle for people with disabilities before and after NDIS. Um, Kerry Lee touched on it multiple times about what difference it's made to her life in regards to people coming in and out of her home, but also from the vehicle modifications point of view. Um, but then she was also mentioning about the, the modifications that were available um, to her pre and, pre and post or around that time of the introduction of the NDIS. Ellie, this is your space. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. yeah, so she was talking about how, you know, she had to go kind of into these back corners of Germany to find some person that could give her a, a product that could work. Um, and only had to be on a specific car, you know, German cars, and they just couldn't afford it. So they just resolved the option that we can't do it and that's it and move on. And now with NDIS, you don't even have to think that way. You just go, what do I need? And have an assessment and these are the products and they're all available here um, because the market is here and the funding is here. And that's that's just, that's really, really good. And, and it's awesome. So you were, you were involved in this area pre and post NDIS as well. I mean, you, you went over to, to Rhea Care and we'll, we'll stick around people listening to our podcast. We're going to talk about Rhea Care in a future podcast coming up. But before the NDIS, I'm assuming that you went over and you had a look at all these fancy aids that were in Europe and things like that. But you come back to Australia and there just wasn't the wasn't yeah. the market for it. I mean, there was a few people like Kerry, uh, Kerry Lee that needed it, um, but there just wasn't the, the way to be able to put it into cars because there wasn't the funding available. 
yeah, they just didn't have the money. So, and that's that's basically all it was. So it's, yeah. uh, it's great that, you know, with a little bit of funding, they can get that lifestyle back and they can have options. And one thing I actually did want to um, really highlight in Kerry Lee's case, which I think is the majority of cases, which is probably not represented the best as from what I've seen in media, is people are not trying to get the most products they can just because it's free products. As you saw, she's trying to get minimal products because she just wants to be quote unquote normal and fit in and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, and I'd say that's the majority of the users and not trying to, I guess I've seen out there some, some rhetoric around, oh, these people are just trying to get whatever they can and the best and, 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 and as many products as possible. And you can see her option was like, no, I don't want products. I, I, I don't want that stuff. I just want as minimal as possible to get me going. And I'd say the majority of people are like that. Well, that, you've already touched on our second point here, our second takeaway, and that's that overcoming diversity. You know, parents saying, you know, kind of chucking her in the deep end and, and seeing what she could do. Um, and, you know, she, she talks about climbing up onto the kitchen bench and using a knife up on the kitchen bench. And I'm, I'm trying to imagine that in my head as an OT and, and uh, where safety is and all those type of things. But it's more about function and it's more about about that independence and about making uh, life work for you. And the same with their driving. Yeah. 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 And that, that overcoming adversity piece, which is our, like that second lesson is, um, or takeaway is, is something that we hear a lot from people that have had successful outcomes. Um, you know, a lot of the people, for example, that are from the country because they didn't have options, you know, and then we speak to them and they've done really well because their parents are like, we've got no money, we've got no options, we're just going to have to figure it out, you know, and they're put into these really deep parts of adversity, and then they overcome it and overcoming that adversity does have rewards at the end. So I guess uh, the reason why I wanted to really highlight that as a, as a takeaway is if you are facing adversity, um, don't run away from it, you know, um, have, have the supportive community around you and, and face it and see what happens on the other side. You know, it's, it is safe um, and you've got that support network around you, you know. Yeah, well, I want to I want to do a little shout out to the person that introduced her to driving with no hand controls and made her sit in the car for 20 minutes and made her cry and, and sweat and, and work really hard. And, um, you know, but they weren't going to go anywhere until she could uh, put her seatbelt on and that forced her to problem solve and think and figure out a way around things. Um, yeah, I, I want to get in contact with that guy because he'd be a good OT, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what our third point that we want to uh, talk about kind of leads on from that as well is the the individual approach and and you know the the OT at the early stage is saying that you know this is probably going to impact on your back it's probably going to impact on your hips using your um, your leg up on the steering wheel and one leg down on the pedals that's that's twisting your spine, that's twisting your hips and, and quite a lot of strain on your body that's going to have a repetitive stress type of scenario on your body. But she listened, she understood that at the time, she took on that risk, but then um, when the time came, she made that call uh, before it was too late and, and a shout out to Kerry Lee for, for making that decision because we see it all the time and you yeah. mentioned it in the actual interview yeah, people yeah. push past their limits a bit yeah. too far sometimes until it's too late and i really liked what she said she said i'll worry about it when i need to worry about it and she stuck to her own word to herself and that's really really important um and yeah look like we said we've had multiple people um another one i just can't think of uh, his name but Again, he was talking about when he was younger, the OT was saying, you know, bringing your wheelchair over you, you know, it's going to have issues with your shoulder over time. And he said, well, I'll make that choice. But then again, what he did as it was getting more difficult to drive, what did he do? He went back and got, um, you know, drive from wheelchair and, and high level controls or whatever it was. So he could continue that life and didn't push past those limits. And, and that's really important. It's about that continuance. Um, you know, it's not about, okay, uh, I, I can be tough to the end of life. We all we all need assistance as we get older um, and, and so on. So nothing wrong with that. And great that with all of that stuff, um, she can continue to, to live her life. And, and, and like you said, have weekends back and, and have a bit of a lifestyle. So that, that's beautiful to see. Yeah, look, it's, it's not just about pushing items, pushing modifications, doing this, doing that. We're talking about a product, a car, that has the potential to kill you or kill other people. And that needs to be treated with respect. 
Yeah, it's not a right to be able to drive. You need to be able to drive safely and appropriately, and you just need to tune into the Get Home Safe Foundation interview with Darren, uh, Darren Davis, and we talk about you know safety of driving and, and so forth as well. Um, but we do need to treat the car with respect, and you need to be able to drive it safely and appropriately to be able to avoid accidents and to be able to tell people where you're going. So putting your indicator on to get off of a roundabout and, and all of those type of things, you need to be able to do that appropriately all the time, not just on show, but all the time. Um, yeah, people take shortcuts and they don't put their indicators on all the time. I mean, that's general across the population, but we should be able to be able to achieve that not and have that choice to to take that risk if you want, but we need to be able to do it safely in the times that it's required. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, and I think uh, that really wraps it up for us today. And it's yep. been um, really, really good. I actually uh, really enjoyed uh, speaking to Kerry Lee as I was speaking to her offline. I think she should uh, be be out there more. Um, she speaks well, and I think her approach to things is um, is really good. And as we wind up this episode... Yeah, hang on, hang on. Yeah. There's just one more thing that we uh, forgot to mention. We spoke to Kerry Lee as we were saying goodbye to her offline. Um, there's probably a question out there that's going to come from this. We spoke about uh, her husband. Uh, he's got spina bifida. Real quickly, um, he's able to use standard pedals and standard steering wheel. Um, Kerry Lee has her own car because changing it from mini steering wheel to standard steering wheel can be done. So the mechanic can drive the car or a husband can drive the car and the, and the standard pedals are down there. They haven't been altered, but there's a bit of a process in doing that. So um, it, it can be a little bit difficult to- you know, It's more for an emergency than every day, really. That's right. It's not, a, it's, it's not an easy changeover just for people that, uh, are wanting to understand how that process works, probably best to get in contact uh, with, with Fadiel if you, if you want to know exactly how that piece of modification works and, and is it easy or is it not. But I just, I knew there's bound to be a question about that. So I uh, wanted to make sure we mentioned that before we wound up, Alan. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And that's it, folks. As we wind up this episode, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT for helping us bring you the interview with Kerry Lee today. Williams OT Driver Assessment and Rehab offers all the pieces of the puzzle to assist people with disabilities reach their driving and community mobility goals. And Mobility Engineering is a team of passionate and dedicated people focusing on bringing Australia's largest range of suitable transport solutions for all walks of life. And as we say in every episode, the advice provided in this podcast is general in nature. So if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. Trials really do put you into the driver's seat. And that's good. We'll see you next time, Brad. All right, Ali. Thanks very much. And yeah, see you in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Ali Akbari. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability, or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes, or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.